Fuck you, Nick. It is fourth time's the charm. The only podcast where every week is a brand new concept. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside the director, Matt, and today we have two co-hosts on deck. We have Kyle and some other guy. How are you guys all doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Ben? You know, I'm doing positively swell. Director Matt, are you excited to talk music today? I'm very excited for the albums we have here to talk about. I know there's going to be a lot of divisive opinions and a lot of uh, differing thoughts, but I think we're going to come to some good consensus this year. Now that we've introduced everybody who's relevant to the show. You know, no, 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 no. Wow. So two back-to-back episodes of shit talking me and now you don't even intro me? Okay, you know, you're right. Nick's legal team has ordered us that we must include him on this podcast. Nick has a legal so, team? So his mom doesn't without count. further ado, it's his mother. So without True. further ado, <laughs> I would like to introduce Nick to the podcast who will be joining us as we go as above, so below. We're Nick, not there yet. how are you doing today? Well, I was having a great day, and then I decided to listen to, uh, you know, last week's podcast. I heard that there was going to be a real heartfelt statement about the slander you put out there about me the week prior. And it was, was a from formal the heart. apology. It was a formal it was, apology. It was from the heart. It was an apology. Uh-huh. It was everything you asked well, for. Well, you know, yeah. in case uh, you or any of your half dozen faithful listeners are wondering, p- apology not accepted. Hey, thank you for increasing Whoa. our numbers. Whoa. No, no, no. We are consistently at double-digit listeners every yeah. week. And that doesn't, that doesn't even include Spotify, which I don't know how to track the listenership. Yeah, so we either. could be well into 20 weekly listeners. Once again, as of this week, our biggest fan is still Brennan. Yeah, I've come around yeah. on Brennan. I love <laughs> Brennan now. He actually tweeted us. Oh, he shit. Was, he was excited to hear us shout him out on the pod two weeks ago. Uh, he actually said it was quite unsettling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can... <laughs> like, I know he you said... guys, and, like, hearing you talk about me so much made me uncomfortable. He said that his favorite color is blue. Oh, he likes... boo. Fuck you, Brennan. No, blue's a great color. Blue is a great color. He likes to wear flannel. Okay. I do, too. And his favorite food is wings. You know what? I Wait, think what Brennan's kind? one of us. You know, I think so, too. So, Brennan, another week with you as our biggest fan. If you listening right now are not Brennan and want to be our biggest fan, just shoot us a message on our Twitter that we don't use or on Instagram. Tell us your biggest fan and use the special password for today. Nick, what's it going to be? Uh, shame. Shame and disappointment. No, All right, great. You gave two passwords. No, no, no. no, no. no. It's a shame, shame, comma, shame and disappointment. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, we got to specify for the listener. So continue to spread the word as we are technically slowly building up our listener base. Yeah, yeah slowly y'all, is y'all the key there. word. Yeah, y'all getting there. I'm proud of you. I mean, y'all have made some real progress. <laughs> We're getting there. Yeah. We, we, we increase by leaps and bounds with every listener. If you want us to do a podcast, we will sell ourselves out faster than an Amsterdam sex worker. We respect you all. Well, as as Ben decided last week, we're going to actually have a moment to chit-chat where you, you get to know everybody and we talk about some of the, the smaller things that we've enjoyed. It's everyone's over the favorite week. part of a podcast that no one ever fast-forwards through. 
No, it never happens. So I'll start us out. I got uh, my week was good since the last whole week has passed since we recorded last time. Um, I do have one thing to share and talk about real quick. There's a new game out called The Veil Shadow of the Crown. Have any of you guys heard of this game? I have not. Uh, so The Veil Shadow of the Crown is a audio based RPG. Um, there are no real visuals to the game and you can play the game completely blindfolded just using uh, your keyboard to navigate the entire game world. It is one of the most fascinating and engrossing gaming experiences I've had in a long time. It really requires you to have good headphones and dive into and really believe in the really, really high quality uh, voice acting and sound design. Uh, it's only 20 bucks on Steam. Uh, if you have friends or family who are visually impaired or who if you're the type of person who loves audio and audio-based experiences, I highly recommend it. That is awesome. Kyle, tell us something about your week. Um, so my girlfriend actually won tickets to Riot Fest for Sunday. So yeah. that is awesome. So going to see Slipknot and Anthrax and Devo. Be a lot of fun. Um, Hell yeah, Devo, <laughs> baby. Whip that's it. A, that's a great mix right there. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to be going to those same shows with Kyle, though. This happened last week. So next week after this week, you'll hear our review two, a week late, which is two weeks after the event has occurred. Wait, what, the uh, veil. what week is it? Next. Next week? This is next week? And when's the recording going to be out? Well, this next is week. currently this week, Wait, this but the recording this... will be out next week. Okay. Which to the listener will be this week. Oh, I see. Yes. And and this week Riot Fest has already happened, so so Kyle's already has a formal review of his evening, but we won't let him give it because it would disrupt the temporal fissures. Yeah. Also, um, I decided to go down a rabbit hole the other day and the steamed, um, what's it called, uh, new releases, and I found a game called Putin versus Zombies. So, that was fun. Did, did you play it, or did you just post about it? Because I saw you mention it. I, I just post about it. I believe it got released today. Ah. Uh, but it's 20 bucks, and I don't think that's worth it. <laughs> yep. All right. So, so Nick, what's going on with your week besides the truth being spread by Ben and I? Well, besides from hiring a full legal team to uh, file formal charges against Ben, uh, I've mostly just been Sweet. walking, uh, reading, and sleeping uh, since school has started up again. Um Beyond, That's hot. Yeah, right. Beyond that, you know, Tier 5 released today in Classic TBC, so I'll be doing that in about, ooh, we'll call it a cool 45 minutes. So if I'm I disappear... your Bill Cosby support. Yes, exactly. So if I disappear in the middle of this podcast, that's why. I just want to say that Fourth Time is a Charm as a podcast does not support Blizzard or Activision or any <laughs> of the actions taken by the management. We stand with the staff who experienced tremendous abuse. Um, by the corporate culture that was manifest, and we provide no support to such work environments. Um, the abuse of employees and the sexual pressure put on them by the environment is never okay. Well said, Matt. Very well, well said. Well said. Yeah, fuck Blizzard. And, and if you and Wizards do support... And at this point. And if you do support Blizzard, our episode on Max Landis's Hellbound is very well produced, so please go listen to that in our archives. Um, as yeah, far uh, as, <laughs> all right, <laughs> as far as my week has been concerned, I still have COVID. I still have very limited smelling and tasting faculties, but as of today, Ooh. I think I'm at like 2% taste. 
I well, stuck we'll... a bunch of sugar in my mouth and I tasted some garlic and I have not like full flavor yet, but I'm at like 5% flavor. I can sort of taste things. So it's only up from here. Well, let, let's hope your musical taste is stronger than your physical taste, Ben. Oh, we will find out because coming up next, it's time to go as above, so below. Hit the music. There's music Get playing right now. God, that's good music. Put Shake your hands button. together. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Sing along with three cow cow. Hell Satan. We'll party on forever. We watch a Backstreet Boys in sync too. Britney Spears is kinda cute. We watch TRL on MTV. Everybody three count. One, two, three. Woo! One, two, two three. three. Welcome to As Above, So Below, the podcast where we take a look at an album that's topping the charts and one that's scraping across the underground. This week, we're going to be looking at two tremendously unique albums with very different atmospheres going on. We're going to be looking at Atez, Atez's uh, album a Zero, a tease, and their album Zero Fever Part Three, as well as Pav Vesh N's Manic Manifest. Now, this is a wonderful week because we were joined by two tremendous guests besides myself and Ben. We have Nick and we have Kyle. You might recognize them from our mid-year roundup of albums, and you might remember their musical tastes from there as well. But uh, Nick and Kyle, can you briefly introduce yourselves and tell us your connection to the music we're going to be talking about today? Hello. Uh, I have no connection to the first album that we're talking about today, besides from my generic love of the Backstreet Boys, the greatest boy band ever in existence. Uh, K-pop baby! Yeah. And uh, the other album, I don't know, I like black metal, but I don't like this black metal, and don't worry, we'll, we'll get, get to it. that. Kyle! Um, I have... Who are you? <laughs> I'm Kyle! There we go. Um, Keep I going. Have a, I have a deep love for metal and music in general. Uh, I played the violin for 12 years, uh, classically trained and all that fun stuff. Um, so my ears are still good when it comes to being trained and hearing things. Um, we'll see. I, I heard a lot of things, Matt. <laughs> um, and I have opinions as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I am entitled. To them. <laughs> so, <I'm entitled. laughs> so, yeah, um, I have a Love of metal uh, in general, uh, little connection to this black metal, and zero connection to K-pop. So, All right. Uh, let's and, go. And and I'm still very junior in my knowledge of metal and any music in general, but if you guys need to know what version of the Nexus's theme in 2010 they were using, I can tell you off the top of my head. So Beautiful. So let's jump into it. I'm going to introduce both of our albums, and then we're going to talk about each of them one at a time. We'll go through track by track for each album, and then give our whole wrap-up opinion of our experience, giving our review out of five. And all these albums are over 50. Even 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 uh, uh, Manic Manifestation has more than 50, so this does not count as a 5 stars under 50 experience. Maniac Manifest, Matt. Maniac Manifest. What Ben said. Um, so Atiz is a, a young K-pop group who released their first album back in 2018. 
um, and they hail from South Korea. If you know the K-pop scene and how those albums are produced, um, the band has been working together and training to release albums for years before that 2018 release. Uh, they play a very energetic, fun, warm uh, style of K-pop, which incorporates hip-hop, some English vocalizations across some of their tracks. Uh, today, we're going to be discussing their eighth EP, an 11th total release, uh, Zero Fever Part 3, which is the third part of an actual constructive long-term narrative <laughs> that I watched a video about. There's an actual deep story being told about a society where AI have taken over the planet and made emotions illegal and they travel through time and dimensions and there's alternate versions of all of the characters in a different dimension. Um, and classic K-pop boy band or boy group um, heritage, there are eight members of the band. I can't pronounce any of their names successfully and I'm not going to try. If you're a fan of this band, you know who they all are. And if you're not, go look it up and try to read them yourself. Um, this band is actually very well known for being considered a cultural representative of the South Korean government. And were acknowledged and promoted as a part of the cultural identity of South Korea. So they have not just the manufactured aspect, they're government approved K-pop. It felt like it. Yeah, it does. Uh, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we have the mysterious and anonymous Pa Veshen uh, with their newest album, Manic Manifest. This is their Maniac third... Manifest. Maniac? I spelled it Manic in my document, so that's why I keep getting it wrong. Uh, this is their third studious, uh, studio release, and they're from Belarus. Um, they play a caustic and raw style of black metal that leans into heavily into the influences of early second wave, weaving in sounds similar to, I don't necessarily support the guy, but Burzum and Transylvanian Hunger, but especially on this album, bringing in a lot of their own personal touches. Um, this album is steeped in like a coagulated darkness and despair and a concussive force and raw fogginess kind of lays over the whole thing. Um, for me personally, it took one or two listens to really get into each of the intricacies of the album, but I digress. We'll get there and we're going to start out like we have every time we're going to start out above and work our way down. So Ben, well, I I'm curious, what did you, what were your initial thoughts upon hearing, uh, zero fever part three? So, you know, when you walk into Macy's and after mm -hmm. like 20 minutes, you go, oh, wow, they're actually playing music over the intercoms, but you didn't notice it before. Yeah. That's what this album was to me. I feel like it's hard to rate the music because so much of it is based on the personalities of the performers, which you don't mm -hmm. get unless you're watching the music videos. Oh, that music think, video is a 10 out of 10, though. Yeah, the music videos are a lot of fun, but the music just feels like a melding of every popular sound from a song over the last 10 years just sort of hodgepodge together the actual lyrics aren't very endearing the sound is quite forgettable i wow. did not dislike this album i gave it a flat two and a half out of five <laughs> and i just didn't find there to be a lot to write home about i thought it was fine but I feel like the music is a backdrop for the personalities and the characters. Yeah, I, I can see that. And now let's let's jump over to Nick. Because, Nick, I know you have a different opinion than Ben did on this album. 
I absolutely do. I was not aware there was a music video, so after we're done here, I know what I will be watching. It's the music video for Deja Vu, which was the single for this album, and uh, I'll talk about their success later. Sure. Uh, I really enjoyed this EP. Or is it an EP or an album? It's considered a mini album because it is a is a piece of narrative storytelling, um, but it's an EP. Okay. Well, this but release... They call it a mini album. I really enjoyed this release by them. Uh, I believe... I, I would say my favorite song is definitely Eternal Sh- Sunshine. Right as I oh, threw wow. it... Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, I really <laughs> liked it, man. Right as, right as I threw the album on, like, it, it started playing. I'm like, oh, shit. This is some... This is some good music. This is dancing music we got here. This is a good yeah. time. Let's go. Uh, and I also, and I think I really enjoyed Eternal Sunshine a lot because I kind of got a bit of uh, Justin Timberlake vibes from it as yeah. well. And I'm a big JT fan. Shout out to my boy. Um, and honestly, overall, I thought it was just a good boy band album. It was a lot of fun. Admittedly, I'm not particularly seeped in the genre, and I don't listen to a lot of <laughs> K-pop. Yeah, to clarify, none of us listen to K-pop. Yeah, uh, I, this, I just did it. We just did it. Want to review the new Drake album? Oh, thank God! I'm glad y'all. Oh, did it. Um, and how he got scammed by the uh, artist that did this cover album. I mean, cover yeah, art. Yeah, that's a different. Co- <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, I just. I, I just want to ask a quick question before you finish up, Nick. Uh, ben and Nick and Kyle, did you what? Did you guys listen to the K-pop album first or the Black Metal yes. album? Oh, the K-pop, uh, the K-pop, K-pop first. Hilariously oh, I enough. think that was your guys' problem. <laughs> so, so okay, so funny, funny little story. Not much of a story, but more of an aside. So I'm listening to this album, right? I'm having a great time. I'm walking to the train, right? I'm on top of the world. I'm like, man, this is a great album. I'm feeling good about life, right? I'm all happy. Even though the last song was kind of sad, that's okay. It was catchy as hell. Then I throw on uh, the album Matt recommended, or the the black metal album. And I'm like, oh. I picked both of these albums. Okay, well, I threw on the black metal album. I'm just like, oh. Oh, God, I hate life. Oh. Yeah, yeah oh. you got yeah. it. That's oh, the I, point. I wanna, you got it. I want to die yeah. now. Oh, no. So then I put the K-pop right. album back on, and I was happy again. <laughs> well, that's that's a good flow. Now, I don't think everybody here was as happy as you listening to that K-pop album. Kyle, let's hear what you thought of Fever. Oh, Zero I, Fever I, Part 3. I got to try to tone this down from yeah. a synopsis. Oh, my gosh. Be kind. I, I, I'm trying. Um, I thought it was very generic. Um, and it played a lot of American tropes within the pop genre, and it lacked originality in that regard. Very derivative. Yes, is, very derivative. Yeah. Um, a lot of they played into the tropes hard. Um, there were some sound bites that sounded straight plagiarism off of other songs as well. And I'm like, uh, it's called sampling, I, Kyle. It's cr- it's Creative Commons. Eh, even then. Fair use. Yeah. Even then, um, I, I, I think what I think what Kyle's trying to say is that even even if you're cool with the sampling, which is normally fine, it didn't feel like they were doing anything different with it. It felt like yeah. they were using it in the same way. Yeah, but so, not every uh, not every pop song needs to be unique and different and like revolutionary. No, like, but like, at least no, one yeah, of yeah, them should ch- be. Yeah, at least change it up a I little suppose, bit so I you mean, can d- differentiate from yourself uh, from I, the others. I agree that this is a fairly standard like boy band pop album, but I thought they did it well and it was fun front to back in my opinion. And when it comes to yeah. boy bands and pop in general, I feel like that's kind of the point. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah, I, I feel... I'm, I'm kind of halfway between everybody here, um, where I, I kind of, I get 
So I hated Eternal Sun Sunshine because it was <laughs> it, it was too generic and it had and it had choreographed lyrics where it's like get up and clap your hands move move and I'm like don't make me do the fucking disco slide while I listen to this bro but you know who is clapping songs, their hands walking down the street were, today me I was yeah you were invalidating your your, your opinion from the beginning of the day. <laughs> um, I I liked Deja Vu I especially once I saw the video it was fun it's a good song. Um, it's use of the English vocals and rap sections really good. Uh, Rocky, I thought was a great change of pace on the album. Yeah, um, I agree. I thought Deja Vu and Rocky were the two strongest songs yeah. on the album. The rest I described as the WWE of music. See, that's that. I felt that way about Eternal Sunrise and All About You, but not yeah. too late. Deja Vu and Rocky um, felt like legit good song, like innovative songs because those are also the three songs that are most directly tied to the narrative on the album which i found those, out later those those were my three favorites yeah yeah and feeling feeling like feeling like i do is just uh that'd be a that's just a fun song it, it's not it's not that original but i think it does what eternal sunrise is doing a little bit better and, and isn't as doesn't feel as derivative while i listen to it i think what this comes down to is we just fundamentally look for different things in this genre because my favorite songs were the most generic ones while you guys really enjoyed the more unique uh songs on this release and frankly i didn't like those quite as much mm. and kyle didn't like any of them yeah so kyle Correct. you know kyle, kyle you <laughs> yeah i also thought the uh, the amount of autotune was absolutely jarring oh uh, i mean I'm, i i listened to enough <laughs> i mean if, if i'm if i'm gonna i i was having a discussion with myself in the car uh, about talking about the same thing and i was like well the other album which i do like and we'll get to that is incredibly produced and the vocals on that album are also incredibly produced like these um so i, I, I felt kind of like a hypocrite if i didn't like if i if i went against the auto-tune nature of this band now that's besides the point did anyone else pick up at all on the the narrative being told here because the narrative for this is absolutely wild so I didn't until you sent me the video and then I watched it. Before we move on to that, though, yeah. the one thing I did really like that they incorporated into this is there felt like a lot of French rap influence in the music, oh, yeah. which I feel like we were missing. I want to catch that just because I really like the attitude that that injected mm -hmm. into the songs. And I, always, and I felt like every time they veered into that direction, it got better. So I just wanted to make yeah. that point. Yeah, and uh, and I will. I also uh, I watched or tried to watch about an hour's worth of interviews and TV spots with the band, just to try to get a read on their their personalities and kind of how K poppy they were based on my assumptions. And man, was it it wasn't difficult to watch, but the sexual tension. I don't know if that's like me assuming the 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 tension is sexual or not, but it comes across to an American audience do, as um, very do like flirtatious, very like we're not just we're not just a boy band, we're close friends. It, that that has to be uh, artificial. It's, well, it's definitely I, well, artificial. Yeah. but I'm, I'm wondering if the intention is to be sexual or not. Oh, um, absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's how that trap. culture is. Is it so? So Kyle, like. Part of the reason I really want to Kyle on this podcast is despite not liking or listening to a lot of K-pop, he at least knows slightly more about it than we do. 
Um, it, it, is the energy meant to be sexual? Is it meant to be like a flirtatious? Because they like constantly yeah. refer to each other as like cute and fun. And I'm like, this could just be a cultural like use of language that I'm not getting. Uh, but to an American, it sounded, I was like, oh, these boys are fucking. Um, so it's just to help gravitate more of that female audience. And, that, um, and be- the homosexual male audience? I mean, it's Korea. Most of the homosexuals over there are very closeted. Um, yeah, um, I read a lot of uh, Korean comics, um, mm-hmm. and it's pretty obvious how the culture is within those comics. And okay. um, homosexuality is very looked down upon. Um, yeah, well, it's, for, for how it's, effeminate it's, this band is. Yeah, um, it's 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 relatively homophobic. Hmm. Like early to mid 2000s like you know where it's like i'm not homo i'm not homo kind of thing you know um uh, yeah yeah in that on, regard on, 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 on the same note these guys are all extremely attractive though kyle, yeah. kyle like, i don't know if you guys looked at photos of the band but these boys could work at k-coop in uh in chicago because they exclusively hire beautiful koreans and these are some very beautiful korean males yeah, they're 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 definitely cuties. My question: When they're doing the interviews, do they like keep kayfabe? Do they stay in character? Hundred percent. The entire That's awesome. time. They they have. So I was watching one where they were answering questions in a straight line with one another. Like so, each person would answer a question. The next person would rotate through. At one point, they ask one of the guys, "They're like, so which one of the group is your favorite?" And he like goes like. Mm, I'm not sure. And then all of the guys behind him who are standing in a single file line fan out behind him to create like a like a silhouette of all of them looking at him like who are you going to pick? And then they have like little uh like very generic like sound bites and like and like clip art that pops up on screen when they say certain things like they're like we call him the explosive one cuz he has a tendency to get mad, but it's so cute when he gets mad. And like it's it is so strange. It is full kayfabe all the time. I wouldn't be surprised because a lot of the stuff I was watching was from like uh, South Korean like national television, and it really felt like not only were the questions pre-screened in front of the whole group, but every part of the interview is pre-planned. It feels I'm sure it was like like ex- like more so than an American version. It was like extremely laid out. Like there's choreography beats that are hit. Across, like, even I watched four different interviews, and they were each from a different, like, platform uh, or, like, network. I'm not sure if they were all from TV or some of them were online exclusives or not. Um, but they, they maintain the character, but they do not maintain the storyline in person. In person, the storyline and films that go along with the band aren't discussed like, yes, we are from the alternative dimension. You know, that doesn't come up. At least it did in the interviews I watched. Right. The characters, they want to be real, but not the situations they're in. That that makes sense. Yeah. And they also have four television shows that they've all been in or have been a part of. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine online shows. And they've done a bunch of tours and music videos. Now, just to quickly talk about the, the storyline real quick, because it's fascinating um, in storyline, the band are a group of people in a world in which AIs have conquered the planet and have made emotions illegal, and they're traveling through time and dimensions using a thing called the Chrono, 
which allows them to go through different points. And in this album, Deja Vu specifically realize, uh, specifically uh, speaks to the experience of the main character and the lead singer of the band meeting an alternative version of himself in a different dimension who then helps him because in that dimension, he is a freedom fighter against the AI who have taken over the world, but yet he fails, but he must be successful because the young version of him is still able to succeed in his mission. So I don't know why the fuck that's going on with this band, but I love it. This is more complex storytelling than Twilight Force and uh, Glory Hammer. It was okay. Oh, fuck you, Ben. That 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 high-pitched, weird British lady talking about it in that YouTube video was in, encapsulated. That was not British. I don't know what that was. It wasn't <laughs> British. It was it was a very hypnotic woman. Yeah. Her very voice fast. was very hypnotic. Here, we'll put a clip but of it was her talking not... here. Yeah, that was oh. not British, oh, though. Wow. Whatever cool. it was, it was disturbing. Now, <laughs> on the note of disturbing... We have the Fantastic Mani- Maniac Manifest. Um, All right. So I just want to say great album. Really enjoyed it. I gave this a I gave the first one a two and a half out of five. This one I gave a four and a quarter out of five. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. Really enjoyed this album. Loved the way they played around with the editing of the sound here. Yes. And the story that it feels like they were telling, which we'll get to. Yeah, but we'll go through first, the track list. But first, I want to hear what Kyle and Nick have Ky- to think let's, about Let's this. start with you, Kyle. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm ready for your slander before Nick's. Okay, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, I was salt listening to Okay. I can't um, taste salt. I only listened to... <laughs> so, to clarification, I only listened to both albums once. Uh, and I listened to this album about an hour ago. Um, so, uh, I personally thought it was sort of cookie cutter when it came to like true cult raw black metal, in my opinion. Um, certain parts, uh, everything sounded muddled just because of how uh, it was recorded. Uh, you know, very ambient and all that. Um, yeah, isn't that awesome? It's very intentionally done. Yes, I, I'm well aware of that. Um, it sounded like it was recorded in a garage with a toy yep. microphone. And it, look great. at the album cover. That's where it was recorded, in that brick alleyway. Yes. Um, but, yeah, there were some fun parts. Uh, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Black Coffin. It had a very nice, yeah. uh, what's it called, atmosphere to it, but it's like not a lot going on. It was just like a mood setter, and I actually really did enjoy that. Um, but yeah, there was like some fun parts throughout. Um, I actually put like timestamps of like cool things. We'll, um, but we'll, we'll get to the specifics in a little yeah. bit, Kyle. So let's let's start. To, so Nick, so tell me your overall opinions of this album of the half of it that you heard. Yeah, I got bored and stopped listening about halfway through. Admittedly, all right, good job. Admittedly, it was mostly because I lost signal and then just didn't feel inspired enough to go back to finish it. And that's pretty much my opinion of the album. Like right off the bat, there's the intro track where it's just like spooky sounds at night, and then more spooky sounds at night, and I'm like, cool haven't heard this before no 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 you can't okay okay i listened to those 25 (laughs) i listened to those 25 (laughs) fucking albums or however many 
two months ago. Twenty. And who who was it? Panopticon, where half their album was just let's listen to the trees for thirty minutes. Yeah. And you go, oh, oh, this is my album of the year. Uh. And now you go to this, which has some of the best ambient tracks I've listened to out of any of this shit. And you go, oh, it's just fucking listening to the wind. I'm I'm about to to make a firm statement and it's not a joke. I like this album much more than the Panopticon album. Wow. Okay. The use of the use of ambient soundscapes is more interesting. Um, I agree. There's more dynamicism across the whole album that might be. Yes. Might be harder to access. And take a little bit more effort to break through the barrier that's initially presented. Which, Kyle, my experience to is was similar to you in my first listen. I was listening to it in the car at like half volume while driving, and it, I was like, "Oh, this is fun. This is cool. I get what the, I get. What's going on?" But I wasn't like gripped yet. I I then did the dishes with headphones on, and like my fucking world exploded open. Cause I like, I, I was like, it was like looking through the, the fog and seeing the scary woman in the alleyway looking at me and it was tremendous. It, now, now you, Nick, you, I, I should you, give you, Nick an you opportunity. Know, Nick, yeah. Explain yourself, Nick. You, know, you do I like was, some ambient stuff. I do like some, but this, I don't know, man. Like, like, yeah, I'm standing in the fog and I'm looking around and like, oh, look, there's a spooky lady over there. Neat. Like I, it, this isn't my kind of ambient, frankly. Like I enjoy the ambient style more of Panopticon as opposed to this type of ambient style. Now, credit where credit is due on the album, I believe it's the third song, "Chamber of the Rotten Flesh." About halfway Sweet through. Sweet fucking name too. Uh, yes, I also uh, really enjoy the names on all of these, all of these tracks, especially the ones I didn't listen to, such as "Spellbound" by the Witch Moon. It's one of the best tracks on the album. What it is. on that one? Head would have no idea. Anyway, what what's did you stop at Chamber of the Rotten Flesh, or did you make it to In the Woods of the Hangman? I got two minutes into the oh god, here we go, concrete something day. The concurrentes de iniquia nisse confessionem. Is that the consequences it's... of confession? It's like it's like uh, confronted by like an by uh, a false confession or something. Well, thanks for the save, Ben. That one I got about halfway through, lost signal, and moved on with my day. To be fair, I think that is the slowest part of the album. So, I actually agree. So, I, so yeah, that that, that is yeah. the slowest. But there's there's a shift to me that occurs. Um, I there think is, it, it, but but you, but you know Chamber something, Matt? Flesh. Yeah. You know, no, Matt. I'm gonna stop you right there, because Nick, because Nick, I've had enough of this shit. I've had enough <laughs> of this shit. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Every Take time I'm off. on here, and I I've give had you enough an of album, you shit. shit talk my albums exclusively. They're always at the bottom of the fucking list. Because your hilarious. albums are shit, Nick. So you know what? My albums are shit. Your taste in music is shit. Nick, I Nick want your taste you, in Nick. music has COVID. Oh my god. Ben has COVID. <laughs> I might not have taste, but apparently you have COVID too, Nick, because you don't have taste either. Oh! So what I need you to do is I need you to take your shitty takes off fourth times the charm, and maybe the fourth time around, you're gonna actually get some good ideas. But as of now, you are out of here. Out of here. Get out. Well, God. I've been banished. It has been Get. anything but a pleasure. And uh, hopefully <laughs> I won't see or hear from any of you until the end of your roundup. All right. Now that the podcast is improved, 
Oh boy! Oh man! I'm steamed! I'm right. steamed! I'm so, so steamy! All right, so I I, I do want to dive into the tr- to the track by track on this one. I do want to dive into that also, but first, I I I wanted to do some broad strokes here, starting out just mm-hmm. so I could see how on or off base I am. First off, and I, this is to both you guys, how important do you think the name of a song should be to a song? Because, for example, in I what, feel in like... what genre? Yeah. I, I feel like in this album in particular, the names of the songs are very important yeah. to helping guide you through the album. Do you think that having the name be something as a requirement to help guide you through an album, do you think that's clever use of your resources? Or do you think that that's a detriment of getting the story across through the song? Uh, no, I think it's it's a utilization of resources. Uh, black metal as a entirety and as a genre r- leans into the thematic and the stylized nature of every aspect of it. Because especially an album like this, it's, diff- it's difficult. It, it's not an approachable album. Even... Um, I originally found this album from the Angry Metal Guy review um, by Deer Hollow, and even in even in his beginning of his thing of his rant, he says either you hate it or you tolerate it. If you're a masochist who likes to have your ears bleeding on the reg, dive in. If you prefer your music tasteful and somewhat reasonable, stay away. And and a part of that and part of that of pushing people away and increasing the inaccessibility of the album is through the song titles and the album artwork and it's part of the storytelling because the story is really important to the album kyle do you do you feel like do you feel the same or do you where do you come on in that argument um in certain respects yes the uh, name of the song um will have an effect on the album as a whole as a placeholder um then you know there are like certain genres let's say like early metalcore for example mm-hmm. um, oh god yeah <laughs> um double wars prada for instance uh from uh roots above and branches below those names make absolutely no sense yeah like in, in- and like you can pinpoint like where in the album you are based on those names and it doesn't make sense yeah, um in, like in some genres the names of the song really are just secondary nothingness yeah 100 percent. like like this like there's a like on on that album that kyle just mentioned uh um with roots above and branches below by devil Rose prada which is one of my favorite albums of all time uh there's a song called assistant to the regional manager i hate buffering uh, big wiggle style. None of those song, none of those song titles have literally anything to do with what those songs are about. Um, the last song is also called Lord Zenu, which I don't know why I never noticed until now. That's hilarious. And don't um, forget Sassafras. Yes, yeah, so the opening track Sassafras. So to to your point, Ben, I think in some genres, the the uh, the song titles and what's being done is a de- is like kind of like a lazy second thing. But here, uh, especially in the more ambient, atmospheric end of black metal, the song titles become really important. Um, if you listen to an album like uh, Kaladin Brood's Echoes of Battle, which this album definitely has some homages to Kaladin Brood, in my opinion, especially with some of the guitar work in the latter half. Um, 
the the songs and what's going on wouldn't be nearly as as engrossing as it is with the song titles like city of azure fire and echoes of battle the they use the ambience that tie in with those song names for you to get the experience um now some albums like uh like ungfell's release this year the song titles directly tell a story there are, you can there are communicating you where in a narrative you are to help guide you through um in literature there's there's a lot of debate around whether chapters should have titles or not you know versus just chapter one two three four like chapter one the desolation of smaug or you know some bullshit like that um so that that's uh, that debate and you're questioning about naming the individual sections um is a debate that extends even outside of m metal and music in general and extends to um literature and I think on our first album here, um, those song titles do matter to some extent, especially the the title track "Deja Vu" because that directly directly relates to the story. So let let me follow that up. Then I had an interpretation of this album and what it was because I sensed a solid through line. Okay. Um, which who knows how right or wrong I am. I, I interpreted the album as an innocent person enters an area where someone is being torn apart by a gaggle of witches or like a, like a, like a witch's coven or something in okay. which would be homicidal sacrifice. Yeah. Then which leads into eyes full of horror as they're seeing it. So like they hear it in the distance in homicidal sacrifice, which is why it's so ambient. Right, which is why it's super ambient. Then eyes full of horror. It's it's closer to you. The music. Mm -hmm. Then chamber of the rotten flesh is them exploring the chamber after the guy is dead because you really don't hear the screams anymore. Yeah, it leads to them trying to escape through in the wood of hanged men, which is how you have that sorrowful, somber, sad tone throughout. And you even have those little uh, pickups towards the middle and towards the end where it's like, oh, did someone see me? And, and Which and leads into the false confessional song. When they are caught, they end up being captured by the witches and spellbound by the witch moon. And then they're trapped in the black coffin to close it. Where once again, it feels like you're even more cut off than usual. And, you know, it's super atmospheric. You have the voices in your head. I hear That's how I interpreted in it. Head. Yeah, and I think in Sisters of Sin, um, part of the reason you get the only clean, non-shrieked vocals on the whole album is because the like it, it, from, from your narrative direction, that's when those uh, like ominous characters are actually finally speaking to you. Right. And you hear their final whispers, and then it, it kind of... It blazed through that song. It's the fastest song in the album. It's not the shortest because there's an intro track, but it's it's a pummeling song in 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 relation in relation to the rest of the album. And then you get this two minute like moment of clarity with dot 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 at the very end that really I think leaves the album in this like very depressing, very like lost state, which really feels like it's part of the intention of the release too, is to convey this very suicidal depressive sound um that the band has kind of tangled with before in the past with with that depressive suicidal black metal sound Wh which when we opens get opens up 
which when we get back to the end of the album here, because I think we should go through these one by one, I actually have a very uh, close through line to that thought, which I think uh, is I'm, I'm very happy you mentioned that, Matt. But I want to say Homicidal Sacrifice for an ambient song to kick off an album. Pretty much the entire album is engulfed in this white noise and staticiness. And I feel like it's really cool in that it separates you from both the song and this guy crying out in pain way off in the distance. It's like you're two miles away from a concert and you can just barely make out mm-hmm. what song they're actually singing, which I think is super cool. And I haven't seen that done before. Yeah, How did you feel about this? Uh, the introduction track? What were you thinking when you were kind of led into this ambient soundscape? So Bandcamp actually screwed up on me and it started playing uh, the Eyes Full of Horror first instead yeah. of Homicidal Sacrifice. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> right into the white noise track. Yeah. So I like with that track, I'm like, is this really the intro? They could have cut out at least 20 seconds in the 50 second intro and still convey, you know. Nope. The that. intro is two minutes and 30 seconds long. Oh, I meant with uh, uh, Eyes Full of Horror, that first 50 seconds. Um, Without the transition from Homicidal Sacrifice, that would be a, a, an exceptionally unnecessary intro. Yeah, yeah and that's exactly what happened. Did so, you go back and listen to Homicidal Sacrifice, or yes, did you not notice? No, no, I did. Um, okay. I went back to it after I listened to the rest of the album. <laughs> um, but it's like my notes were for that. Um, it was like it was just like another opening track that really didn't do much for me, but like it did set the tone of the album. Besides that, it was like okay. Yeah, I, I really liked there's the like in uh, I wrote it as E E E. Yeah. Which I yeah, said was at, really good. At 140, at, yeah, at 140, it's the yeah, the E E E. There's this there's a couple different moments throughout this album where they use like a unique sound or like piece of atmosphere that really brings the the whole production to like a more dynamic level, which I really so, appreciated. Yeah, so this is uh, and I'm glad you explained it in that way. I think this is the type of strange juxtaposed noise that didn't work with me for Gone Mage. I think it's the mm. same similar idea yeah. of taking a foreign sound and incorporating it into the music to provide added effect. It didn't quite work with me for Gone Mage, but I really liked it here. Yeah, God Mage doesn't lean into well, because I mean, as the fans and Ben and and I and Kyle know, um, Ben and I are big horror fans, and I mean everyone in the group's a fan of horror to some extent. But this atmosphere specifically is of that very ambient, very horrific nature. Like you can you can imagine like a Dario Argento or a Wes Craven filming a, a scene using some of these sounds maybe not to the distorted extent that they take it where gone mage does while also coming from a very aggressive and like dark end of things there is that more playful aspect to the atmosphere uh where this is as kyle put it earlier true cult levels of black metal atmosphere yeah. there, there are no u's in this album they're all v's god damn it Um, capital v's yeah capital fucking v's um and i think that's that's no more prevalent in the beginning of this album and eyes full of horror 
they kind of like as you said kyle that first like almost minute of just like atmosphere i think really sets the tone and it does something there's something really cool in like the first minute and 20 seconds of the album there's i'm sure you of of eyes full of horror i'm sure you guys heard there's that tinny like ting 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 and it, it pervades the entire album and to me it it really sounded like, except for when it's playing as a as a blast beat, when it's the individual just kind of clanging ones, it really reminds me of the sound of like a hammer hitting a uh, a sword, like a blacksmith. And th- that mm. kind of like that atmospheric kind of clangingness really was really jarring to me in a way that I want for the atmosphere. Now, I have steeped myself a little bit more in this style of atmosphere before. Um, so everything here wasn't as fresh to me in Eyes Full of Horror. Um, Eyes Full of Horror to me was the track where I was like, oh, I get what they're doing. And then I was like waiting for them to do that next step, which I don't think happens, yeah. happens until in the woods of the hanged man. Um, yeah. So, but, yeah. I, so yeah, Eyes Full of Horror was in the bottom half of the album for yep. me. I still enjoyed it. Uh, I felt like it went a bit too long and sort of fell off towards the end. I, I think the first half of the song was really everything you needed. Yeah. Um, the what, what I thought was really interesting was the incorporation of flutes, it sounded like, in this song. And I didn't hear that in any of the other songs, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. Just this random addition of woodwind. And I was sort of wondering how you would sort of interpret that. Um. European black metal people love flutes. Oh, is, is that it? Yeah, um, it's just it's yeah. it's again this 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 track I think has of all across the whole album has the most derivative stuff in it, um, which might be why it, it's front loaded onto the album to get people who are fans of this style kind of like invested. Because um, that kind of like the use of like flute and wind and wind instruments are used because the. To me, I like them so much because they mirror the style of the vocals, especially on this album where they're so airy and shrieky, um, mm. which is kind of like them being like sung through like a, a wind a wind instrument, you know, like a like a flute or, or something like that. And these and those are also common instruments for um, the traditional music of these areas, so they're pulling on those influences. Um, after eyes of uh, eyes full of horror, we jump into Chamber of the Rotten Flesh, one of our shorter songs not necessarily one of our quicker songs one of our shorter songs kyle what did you think a chamber of the rotten flesh as i said before you know certain parts sound very muddled just because of the sound quality um mm-hmm. it's nothing against the band it's just you know that true cult sound yes um, that production style it's it's, it's it to me it's intentionally hiding stuff yes 100 percent um i said about like about the minute mark in there's like a really fun guitar chug in there yeah. it makes you want to headbang a little bit it's great yeah um which genuinely surprised me i was like i they're not gonna do anything punky or kind of that yeah old school kind of more first gen first wave black metal sound and they do a few times they hit that like that they almost do the transylvanian moment and then they reserve it back yes 100 percent um and um there's also like this really awesome riff that they started doing is almost thrashy but still in that uh black metal uh area yeah about two minutes and 15 seconds in yeah yeah, i made that same exact note this was my favorite song of the album wow really yeah i thought that i really like the use of guitar in this 
Yeah. Because it was still just as atmospheric, but I love a good guitar riff, and the guitar riff in this is great. And then it sort of, like, speeds up on its own. There's just, like, a... I don't know what you call it, like a like a breakdown or something with the guitar sort of halfway through the song. Yeah. And it's just really good, and it has its own character. This was the one song where I felt worked on its own, in a way. And yeah. I don't think that diminishes the quality of any of the other songs, you know. But I did like that it was good enough and entertaining enough on its own to feel sort of standalone in a way. And throughout the whole album, I like how it feels like the sound's even closer now than it was in the previous two songs. Yeah, I, I agree. And I see, I feel the exact same way as you guys did about Chamber of Rotten Flesh um, for In the Woods of a Hanged Man. That was my, it's my second favorite al- song on the album. And it, it starts, it continues that fresh guitar tone that was new and different in Chamber of Rotten Flesh. And then takes it and takes into that whining, almost shrieking, very high pitched noise that permeates the beginning of that song. Which to me, that's when the that's when the album goes to the next chapter. You know, I feel like the homicidal sacrifice, eyes full of horror, and chamber of rotten flesh is that opening act. In the woods of a hanged man is when you know you're now steeped into the darkness. You're fully there, and you're about to go on like a very dark journey because that whining constantly tremolo shredding to me is one of my favorite sounds it it reminds me of like the melodic black melon and the things like you'd get from like an astrophobos or a hoth but layered into that caustic foggy like miasma that is um paveshen's style of atmospheric uh black metal doom metal um kyle what do you think of this kyle Mm mm-hmm um yeah in this song i noticed they started leaning more into uh black metal tropes like they opened up with that tremolo picking with the arpeggios um stuff like that you know more blast beats um a lot more fun uh again true cult vibes there are certain areas that i thought are completely inaudible (laughs) (laughs) um but i thought this song was a lot of fun in general um so this was actually my least favorite song of the album. And if I listen to it again, that might change. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that I was expecting something different coming out of Chamber of the Rotten Flesh. Okay. And this was a very different vibe to it. So I really enjoyed how they were able to provide a sorrowful, like a sad undertone to the song. Which, you know, the whole the whole album's depressing. Yeah. But I feel like this is the only one which is more of a profound sadness than the others. So yeah. I really appreciated that, but I didn't quite get as much out of it as the other songs. Yeah, I, I see that. It, it, I mean, it very much in lieu I, with like the Dante's Inferno vibe. Um, also, in the same uh, way as Eyes Full of Horror, I did feel like it went a little long. I feel like the seven-minute songs sort of it, it feels like you go through the song once and they're like you know we should make the song longer and they kind of just do it a second time for me th- those are the two tracks that require the most re-listening uh, because there's a lot since the songs are so long i feel like the band is willing to do more um mm. but over time and i on the second and third listen through especially in the woods of a hanged man 
so much opens up in that album and it makes the transition into Catquete de Inquate Neca Confessium um, that much more intense, especially mm. with how sorrowful and depressing the intro to that to track number five is. I think, as you said, Ben, the uh, In the Woods of the Hanged Man is the first song that really lets itself be steeped in sadness. Uh, track five is pure, utter despair from the beginning of that track. That opening riff, the opening screams are so much more full of sadness. They're not as shrieking anymore. They're more of that wailing kind of yell that you would have if your, th- your throat was hoarse from tears. Yeah, I think both Wood and Concurrentes I should listen to again. I should listen to the whole album again. Yeah. But at this point in the album, I was sort of not falling off, but I felt like the tone sort of plateaued a bit after, not plateaued, but I felt like it was sort of, let me rephrase that. At first, I thought the album was building to, like, a peak, and it really doesn't. No. <laughs> so that sort of so that sort of stunted my opinions of these two songs, just because I was sort of expecting something that didn't happen. Still really liked them, but I think I'm going to have to listen to them back, especially after you talked about them some, just because I think it's going to help me reshape what to expect. Yeah, when I when I first listened to Black Metal, I heard Black Metal like this, and I thought it was utter garbage. I hated it. So I was like, this is useless. <laughs> I thought it was just white noise. Um, but it definitely is a genre that with the more time you spend with it, and if you like it, you have to have that preference there already. Um, it pays off with each re-listen. <laughs> or have it beaten into you. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, mostly that for you guys. Kyle, did you I, have anything unique to say about Conquitas? No, I'm actually in basic agreement with Ben. Um, like, I was expecting more with Consequentes, mm-hmm. but or Conquitas, whatever I wrote. Um, but it's like, it just felt like it was just more of the same. Welcome to Fourth Time's The Charm, where we bury your names and no one can pronounce anything right well what I, what i can pronounce and i can pronounce it well is spellbound by witch moon this song spellbound by the witch moon man. fuck you know what i can say you know what i can say correctly spellbound by the witch moon now this this out this track solidified and saved this album for me if we saved did the it, album. same actually if if we didn't if this track wasn't here and the, this moment that leads into the back, the last half of the album, I don't think the album would be as strong as it was. Um, I agree. Because this, this jars you a little bit. And it comes in, it sounds like it'd be straight from Transylvanian Hunger, which is like a one of the most traditional old school black metal albums. And then punches you with the like ethereal chaotic sound that they have. And it picks up the, the pressure and that tinging drum. That hammer striking metal is so consistent throughout. And it's such a sharp sound, you know, when you've been surrounded by so much miasma and fog that it striking through to me really woke me up and really dragged me back in for the last last half of the album. Yeah, uh, I describe this song as like a demonic party. That's yep. that's sort of the yep. vibe I got from this song. Yeah. yeah my- Go ahead, Matt. I was gonna say, like, like Chamber of the of of the Rotten Flesh. This is the only other fun song on the album. Yeah, yeah this was also my second favorite. So yeah, um, 
I put down like it has more of the black metal tropes with that guitar twang that you know Mayhem is known for. Like for example, the Frozen Moon. Um, yeah, the, the opening is literally that is that riff. Yeah, and then actually, it, it, and it cuts after like three seconds. There's that little break in time, and then their sound kicks back in. Like the um, uh, PVNs, the PVE sound kicks back in. Yeah. Um, I also noticed that there was like background symphonics. That was a really nice yeah, touch yeah. to the like song. 2:30. Yeah, and like you're starting getting, you know, those uh, like witch sounds in the background as well, and gave you that those ghastly witch vibes, which I really did enjoy. Yeah, I, I'm listening to the track right now, and he and at, at around 2:45 to the last in the last minute of the song, those like ethereal witchy vocals slowly fade into the gutturals of the of the lead singer. And to Ben's point earlier, this is really where you see like the the dance, the the party of witches. Because now now you're embraced in the magic. It's gone from like a horrific, depressing experience of death, and now you've stepped into the magical end of things too. And it's only well, going to get see, more intense. Well, see, I disagree with that. I think it's still just as sorrowful. It's just that all the people around you, yeah. Are having a lot of fun with what they're yeah, about the, to do to the you. The character, the main character, is still just as death, deadly depressed. The world around him is brightening, for as much as it can, but specifically through the lens of the people yeah, doing at, the horrific at his things. Expense, yeah, which makes it a really wild song. Yeah, and it, it, it has a it has a bit more anger behind it too. I I yeah. feel there's a little bit more rage here, and I think that rage really carries you in because you're not allowed to have rage it there is a menacing there is a a layered synth attack this slow bassy almost mismure doom level song the black coffin which is my favorite track on the album and i really like this i fucking love this song if uh, i i don't think i forced you to listen to enough mismure but i have kyle and this uh, this song pulls off that vibe that doomed black metal sound so well this is the most cinematic song to me on on the album as well especially with the intro um it like surrounds you and like that that dense miasma from uh horrific sacrifice comes back and you're you're dragged and like you're left sitting there in a pool of like black despair as it just Mm kind of wraps itself around you before it, it opens back up and i think it was again this this last this track, uh, Spellbound by the Witch Moon into the Black Coffin, save this album. It, it, this is what makes this album. It justifies all of the ambience and, and building that's happened leading up to it to me. And I think this is something this, this album needed. It needed us th- these two tracks back to back to really let you know what you're supposed to be trapped in. It, it reminds you that you're, you're in a despair. It puts you back in your place almost. Kyle. Yes. Talk. I'm talking. But anyways, um, like I'm in agreement with Matt. You know, it actually sounds like you're being enclosed into a black coffin, literally, yeah. that's like filled with like smoke and fog and all that shit. I also thought the sound quality on the song itself was actually, you know, recorded in an actual studio. Yeah, it's the cleanest <laughs> production on the entire album. It is. <laughs> yeah which i think um, is is a great is a great use of expectations um not having every track be the same level of fog i think is a great great play on yeah. the heart of the well, band well as it well as it gets closer 
as as the person gets closer and more involved in it there's less and less static around you mm-hmm. becomes more on top of you and there's always a bit which uh goes into sister of sin because the only bit of the songs at least from what i heard the only parts of the songs that are complete up front in front of all of the noise are the voices, which mm-hmm. I'm assuming are like voices that you're hearing in your head during sister of sin, yeah. where you're already in the coffin or you're dying or something. It's, it's that whisper talking, talking about, you know, surviving or finding a way to get out. I forget one particular they say, but it, because you spend the whole album with this ambient noise around you, the fact that it's so in front of you makes it feel like it's in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's in... It's like in the, the mouth of madness. Yeah. What I think is so clever with this album is the use of depth in yeah. the album. How they're able to make certain sounds feel so far away and certain other ones feel like they're literally inside your brain. It's so well constructed from that respect. I really liked all three of these songs. Yeah, uh, I, I feel very similar about these last three tracks and end in song number nine. Um, I think the album ends stronger than it started. Um, yes. And yes. I think well, well, no, no. I I thought they were. I thought they both did exactly what they needed to. Mm. The the intro the intro had some more to me some more moments of derivativeness that see I don't know pres- that yeah though, yeah so. <laughs> from a from a from from listening to this style for a long time the first like the the second half of the album is the reward for the first half um, I both narratively and musically in my opinion yep. um, I thought the latter half was a lot more creative over yep. the first half so. Yeah, the, the last song dot 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 reminded me exactly. No, there's only three dots. Oh, I thought I only reminded me exactly of the Max Payne franchise, the okay. first two games. Because, sure. well, the the Max Payne has like a theme. It's a piano theme. It's do 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 do. It's across every black metal album. Mm-hmm. Right, but this reminded me just like that. It's that same sort of sorrowful tone. Mm-hmm. And so when I listened to the end, I was like, oh my God, it's like the Max Payne song. It's the exact same like tone. I don't know if it's in the same key or something, mm-hmm. but it felt like it was the sister track to the Max Payne theme on piano. I was like, well, that's weird. But I liked it. It was it was really good. It's it's a it, it's such a fitting end to the album, to this person's tragic end, whatever happened to them at the hands of these creatures. I thought it was a really brilliant way to close out the album. Yeah, I agree. And, and on that and on that note of this album, I would I think Ben, you said you came in at like a three, uh, a four and three quarters. I think I come uh, in. I I I give it a four and a quarter. Four and a quarter. I, I and if I listen to it again, it'd probably go up to like a four and a half. I'm not very familiar with this music at all. Mm-hmm. So for me having the, for me at first I was expecting a peak and the fact there wasn't a peak sort of detracted it a bit for me. I feel like having more context helps that. And I probably rate it higher on a second listen, probably around like a four and a half or so. But from a first recording, uh, from a first listen, it was a four and a quarter. 
Kyle, where's strong you, four where, and a quarter? Where'd you end on this? Uh, end up on this album? Um, so I ended up at about three point seven five. As yeah. I told you before, um, I thought certain parts of the album were literally inaudible um, and muddled. Um, <laughs> again, true cult bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, last track, I just wanted to point out. Um, it gave me the Flesh God vibes because they always end on yeah. the piano track. Um, and I thought it would have been better instead of ending it abruptly that they ended in a fade. Um, oh, give yeah, it more it does uh, just end. <laughs> yeah, it just I ends. I thought it did end in a fade. It no, sort of no, no, fade. it just ends. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah, like your life. Yeah, it would have given it a more <laughs> ominous feeling if it just had a fade out, <laughs> which it would probably have been a great way to end the album, in my opinion. That's why I yeah. ranked it a little bit lower than you, Ben. Yeah, and mm. I, I come in between the two of you. I come in at a solid four. Um, the album really surprised me and I think it did really well. Um, I think it could have done more a little bit. I think it, it's, it's reach exceeds its grasp that time as the, uh, uh, as, uh, the review I read of the album put it really beautifully. Um, it has so much going for it and it does so much so well, um, that I almost wish it did more, which to me brings down my overall score a little bit. Um, I but overall, I do feel oh, like it's fantastic. It's better. It's definitely better than the K-pop album. Um, but I think this is a situation where they both do well. And funnily enough, the uh, the main review of this album got a three point five out of five. So we're all in and around the right area as the consensus, hey. at least. I do feel like if this song had, I feel like if this album had one song where everything just went completely batshit. And I know that that's not what they were intending or what they mm. wanted, but I feel like if there was one song like between spellbound by the witch moon and black coffin, I feel where just everything goes completely ape shit, berserk yeah. bonkers. I feel like it would have really put the whole album over the top, just where you get that real, peak you yeah know? i i think i think you're you need to sit down and listen to uh ms muir's yabo um or yeah however the fuck you're supposed to say it and there's some, there's there's a couple more albums that i'm gonna have to throw your way now ben um because i th- i think once you dive into this kind of atmospheric doomy end of black metal there's a lot of grasp to go for because of how mm. important both the storytelling is and the atmosphere like the soundscape you create just like a movie soundtrack um i will say from the scant metal albums they've listened to so far and i'm trying to build on that this had my favorite ambient mm-hmm. songs so like i like the ambient songs here a lot more than Ungfell. yeah oh yeah well the, this okay. is a different kind of ambience it's sure yeah it's it's definitely a, it's a more where i think uh, Ungfell uses ambience to set a tone and then plays a song. The tone, right. the tone, and the ambience are the same thing on this album. But see, I feel like, and and this is my noviceness coming in here, but I feel like Ungfell could make their ambience into a song on its own. You know? Yeah, when they kind of do that, they have like those like two. I, I mean, they, I mean, they kind of do that, but I feel like they could go even further. You know? Yeah, I, I could continue to with, push it, but that would make it less yeah. accessible, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I I don't know what my taste in music is. I'm I'm all fucked up, so you know. Yeah, it's okay. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. 
Yeah, and 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 on that note, I just want to wrap. I just want to wrap things up. We listened to two wonderful albums today. Surprise! Unlike last time, where one of these albums was fucking garbage, this time we actually got graced with two, at least mostly quality pieces of work. Um, <laughs> at teases zero fever part three. Um, I don't know if I said it earlier, but that is a perfect three out of five for me. It is nothing special. It is nothing bad. It's got some great highlights, um, but it's just not the thing for me. But I really appreciate I it, it. Two and a half down the middle, the, baby. The the narrative un- necessity of what's going on behind the band is a pure five out of five, though. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Hey, Kyle, what was your final score for uh, Zero Fever Part Three? I'm I'm going to piss off a lot of K-pop fans. Okay. And I'm a going to accept that heat. All right. Off of you guys. Yeah, so, send it to Kyle, guys. Yeah, Come send it to me. It, it, this was a hot 1.25. Wow! Jeez, that, uh, that's spicy. I, I've been, that, that's a that's a mid year review bin score. I've, I've been saving these statistics for Kyle to say this. Um, Zero Fever Part Three has already hit number one on iTunes top album charts in forty one different countries, including France, the United States, Canada, well, Brazil, well, not Indonesia, the country of Russia, Kyle. and Egypt. Meanwhile, the title track "Deja Vu" has also reached number one on iTunes tops uh, top song charts in sixteen different regions, including. Peru, Saudi Arabia, Romania, Malaysia, Colombia, and Egypt. Well, what about I, Maniac I, Manifest, Matt? Where is it ranked on the on the iTunes billboards? Um, I don't. That album's not on iTunes or Spotify. That's wonderful. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, only I, on I, Bandcamp. I, um, I am actually not surprised about those statistics because the majority of people have shit tasty music. Oh, come on that note on that note. Uh, we will see you all next week. Kyle might be sour grapes the first time around and he might hate K-pop the second time around and he might be a wild card the third time around. Okay, let me clarify. I don't hate K-pop. Definitely I just not going like to have album. Nick around next time <laughs> when the fourth time's the chum. Good night, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and interact with us. If you love us, tell us who your biggest fan and, and shout it out. We'll talk about your band and album and everything. We love you. Love us. Love us. Bye bye. Listen to more black metal. Fuck Nazis. Penises. Yeah. Fuck you, Nick. Also, please be safe. Have a fun raid. And uh, make sure to save and send me the audio when you have a sec. Yeah, yeah for sure. For See you guys later. I love, all, I love all of you individually. All right. And all six of the listeners. Hey, we have ten. We have ten. 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 I love all ten, ten listeners. I might be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he doesn't get the Spotify numbers. All right. So, okay. so Love you too, Nick. Bye, Nick. Bye-bye.